0: Rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Before we begin this episode, I just want to remind you, if you are enjoying this podcast and the guests... That I am fortunate enough to interview. I would appreciate it if you could rate this podcast on iTunes. uh, Go in and and give us a a great rating if you feel so led, and um, give us a little testimonial there as well. It would really help us with our rankings and, and get Rumors of Grace out to more people. So thanks so much, and here's the new episode. Hello friends, this is Bob Hutchins on another episode of Rumors of Grace, and today I have a very, very special guest, uh, someone that uh, I haven't seen in a while, in a few years, but we were former acquaintances and friends. Ms. Kristen Sweeting is sitting across the silver table from me today. She's an inter- international photographer. She runs a mastermind for creatives called Dangerous Creatives Mastermind. Uh, she, launches, uh, she launched an online business course for creatives She has run a study abroad workshops and a podcast for creatives called The Porchcast. She's also a single parent, and I am excited to talk about your journey because it's very, very interesting. Welcome, Kristen.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking some time out on this uh, sunny, beautiful winter day to to talk about life and love and all kinds of fun stuff. So tell me a little bit about... uh, who is Kristen danger sweeting
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's still evolving
0: <laughs> the, uh, on your on your Facebook account it's Christian uh, sorry Kristen danger sweeting what is that all about? I know.
1: well um, part of the story that you'll hear as we as we continue to talk today is um, part of a big transformation for me that came from um, growing up in a very fundamental Christian background. Um, Some even might consider it uh, a cult. Um, It was very strict. Um, And so kind of developing this persona of this very sweet, meek, quiet person. Um, Ironically, I ended up marrying someone with the last name of Sweeting, and so that's my um, legal last name right now. Um, But when I started going through kind of this awakening a few years ago, um, and putting myself out there in ways that I hadn't before. Um, I had a few students and friends who joked with me that I wasn't really Kristen Sweeting anymore. I wasn't this little sweet person, (laughs) um, that I was Kristen Danger. And so for, there's a few people that refer to me as Kristen Danger as kind of a joke, but it then developed into, um, where I've even considered making it my last name cuz I'm like what do you do once you get divorced <laughs> like I don't feel connection to my maiden name my like my married name I've branded for myself for 10 years it feels hard to let that go so what do you do and then I kind of wanted to take a page from Phoebe Buffay's book and friends where she just like came up with a completely random last That's name. And was like this is my new name. And I just wanted to do that. But
0: And, and you called that your, ma- you tied it into your mastermind too, right?
1: I did. Yeah. When I launched my online course, um, I, I called it danger school because the idea is that um, part of developing a, a, a creative business that gives you life is, not staying small and meek and Mm -hmm. sweet, but doing things that are different, um, creating a brand that has purpose behind it. And um, most of the people in my mastermind, while they're like artists and photographers and and therapists, and they all have this, um, they want to change the world. They want social impact um, with their business as well. So um, that kind of all... Tied together.
0: Okay. Well, you you alluded to your your childhood and and bringing up. So let's, I always like to start there because I I think it gives context to your bigger story. So, where were you born and where were you raised? Tell me about your siblings, your family, et cetera.
1: Yeah. um, I was born in Florida, um, raised by my mom and my dad. My dad was 30 years older than my mom, so a little bit detached from. Um, raising me and my younger brother, um, and I have five. We're, we're in Florida? Fort Myers. Okay. Um, we didn't stay there very long. Really, most of my what I consider my childhood home is um, Richmond, Virginia, outside of Richmond, Virginia. Okay, um,
0: and you said you had five?
1: Five half-siblings, okay. yeah. Did you all
0: live together, or?
1: They were so much older than me that most of them were already adults. and okay. had... Um, had children of their own my i have two sisters that are actually older than my mom so i like to joke like we were the ultimate modern family before that tv show came wow. out um because family raised what, what was that like
0: bringing um, odd. growing up <laughs> odd
1: <laughs> yeah it was i think i always knew that our family was different like my dad looked like my grandpa and people usually thought he was my grandpa um and having sisters that were you know adults with their own children, and their children were playing professional sports in college. When I was a toddler, you know it was, it was strange, but um, I think the the hardest part was that you know my parents were from different generations, and they had different ideas on family. And so, um, I would say my mom raised me, raised us. Um, my dad was pretty detached from a lot of it. Um and so when we were in Virginia and um I think there were some different things that led up to it, but um we ended up my mom went from not being a Christian at all um to being brought into this community that um you know on the surface like they were so kind and like they just loved us and they loved each other and um and a lot of them homeschooled and there was just this like, "Oh, there's people that are nice, that are educated, that like homeschool their kids, and uh, it was very attractive to my mom and to um to me at the time, and she um, found a community. Yeah, she found a community. Mm. Um, and so I don't think I even recognized I, I mean, I was a child, but I didn't recognize some of the abuses of power that are happening until I was an adult, and I could look back and I was like, "Oh." Like, that was wrong. Um, they, There were multiple instances in our community where um, there were women being domestically abused and the, the leadership of the church sided with the man um, and, like, kind of this message of, you're the woman, you need to submit to your husband and continue to pray for them even though you're being physically or sexually abused by them. Um, so that was definitely the um the attitude in our in the community was um children and women are to be subservient to mm-hmm. the husband or the father um there was like corporal discipline and um courtship like women don't date fathers fathers walk their daughters through a courtship process and then they're handed off to their husbands and so i'm sure you can imagine a just lot. like shame around everything from sexuality to family and gender identity. Mm -hmm. And
0: so did you grow up being homeschooled and in this community where you were brought up to be, you know, um, the good little girl that, you know, didn't associate with all the bad people in the world outside of your homeschooling community. And
1: yes, definitely. Um, and I, I mean, I was in public school until fourth grade Mm. and that we entered this community when I was like fifth grade. So I was homeschooled from fifth grade to 10th grade. And I would say those are the main years we are in this community. Um, and I still have, there's, I, I have a lot of compassion for a lot of people Mm. in the community that are still in the community. Um, most of them are not bad people. There obviously are some that are, but, Mm -hmm. um, they're, they were just trying to do the best that they That's could right. for their family um and a lot of them are are maybe trapped in their own um in their own thing as well sure um so saying that um, there was there was definitely um conditioning to be yeah. a certain person, and one of my years of schooling, I remember because my mom and I recently burned this textbook together. We both have Mm. are very different people than we were in eighth grade Mm. when I was in eighth grade. And, um, and we have processed through some of this together, which has been really healing, but I have a textbook and it was called train your daughters to be keepers at home. Mm. Um, And the whole textbook is like how to be a good wife. So like how to please your husband, how to manage your household, how to raise babies, how to um, cook and clean and, be a good wife, wow. and it was based on, like, you know, they pulled scripture to, sure. to um you know, that confirmed that this is what you were supposed to do. And, like, sure, there's nothing wrong with cooking. There's nothing wrong with being a good wife, obviously. Sure. But this was replaced as my curriculum as mm. an eighth grader.
0: Wow. Um, Growing up in that environment, you said you had a brother. What was... What do you have memories of your childhood? Do you have lots of fond memories? Did you play and were normal, or was it very constricted? Is this something your mom just did? Was your father involved too, or what?
1: Well? Yeah, I I do have fond memories. We lived on a farm, and we went outside and played a lot. Um, and I feel like most of the the pain that I feel from in that community wasn't inflicted on me by my parents. It mm. was by the community, by um, pastors, elders, youth pastors, um, the ways that they kind of conditioned um, conditioned our upbringing. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like in a way, my mom kind of was a backseat participant, and my dad didn't didn't even um, go to church or anything like that. He um what he was there was things that he did as well that weren't healthy, but it wasn't because of this cult or this community
0: okay, so your dad um was there but not really there. he was kind of doing his own thing and tell me about your brother what 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 is what was he like
1: um my brother is great he um I think he never really. Never really converted to Christianity, I would say. Like he kind of,
0: but he was homeschooled and brought up out of it that.
1: too. Yeah, yeah, he was. As a kid, he was the rebellious one. So ah, okay, he didn't follow the rules and always got in trouble and seemed happy in that in that role. Um, I was the contrast of like I wanted to do everything perfectly and um, I saw my mom being in pain and so I wanted to be. You know her support, and you know the perfect daughter for the perfect husband someday. You know, like it was, it was all very conditioned to like, if I do all this, then, then God will bless me, or then my community will accept me.
0: You said your mom was in pain. What, what was that about?
1: Yeah, um, my my parents' relationship I would consider abusive, Um, Mm. and like I mentioned before that. Um, the leadership of the church kind of kept women in bondage because if you were, if you were there praying for your husband and um, you know being a good wife, then like the Lord was going to bless you. And so, a lot of women stayed in um, challenging, abusive, scary situations because um, okay. because of that belief that they were they were being blessed by God um, by staying.
0: So did you go? So you were in that environment all the way through high school, and then did you go to college somewhere? Yes. Okay.
1: I moved away to Nashville, and it was an intentional choice to separate from that community.
0: Okay. And what was your college years like?
1: They were great. Um, I went to Belmont, and I loved being there, and studied music, and found a community that was um, that was Christian, but not. I was supportive and, and not like as fundamental as my upbringing at all. Sure. (laughs) sure.
0: And then from there, did you get married right out of college or?
1: I did. I got married. My, um, got engaged my junior year of college. So I was 20 and got married the day after my last day of junior year. So I just turned 21. Um, and I had, um, another year of college to go. And, that's about when I met you guys yeah. is I was hired by a church and um, was a youth director. And so um, the backstory that you might not have known is that like I was 21 and I was still in college right. and I got my first full-time job while doing all of that at the same time. Mm,
0: okay. And what did you major in in college?
1: Uh, music education.
0: Okay. Because that's right. Because you'd have music too. So, did you do? Were you hoping that you'd be a music teacher, or what was your dream?
1: I think going in, I remember, I remember knowing that I loved to sing and that I loved um, loved kids and loved helping people, and so it felt like music education made sense. I could, you know, um, teach choir, lead. Um, lead high schoolers and teach them about something that I loved and that they would love Um, but I got into college and kind of saw the reality of what that profession was and realized pretty quickly it's not what I wanted to do but I finished out um, my degree and instantly got a job mentoring high schoolers at a church and I loved that job it was so fun Um, and it was doing things that I loved which was helping people and um, Mm. getting to do fun things yeah. mentoring kids.
0: And you were uh, working at a church. You were kind of in youth ministry um, and you were mentoring. What, what was going on in your life outside of that? What, is that just a fond time in your life? You were living away from home. You come to Nashville. A whole new world opens up for you. You get married. You're working at a church. Is that everything's going great?
1: Uh, no, (laughs) I wish it, I wish so, but, um, no, I think the reality of real life, um, hit pretty quickly, um, Mm -hmm. when all of that happened, there was, like, trying to figure out how to be an adult, how to have your first job, I was doing, like, 20 credit hours of college, trying to graduate on time, um, and was, uh, was the breadwinner for, my new marriage. And so I developed an autoimmune disease my like senior year of college from stress. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then went into a pretty rigorous, like trying to heal from that. Um, so no, my twenties were very, very hard. And I felt like did a lot of, of the, um, emotional work that like someone much older usually has to do of, um, we were in marriage counseling, basically from day one, um, and we're just working through hard things. And um, and I'm sure you know that, like, working at a church is not necessarily all it's cracked up to be once you get in there and you realize that there's a lot of stuff that happens that um, you don't expect. Mm. There's a lot of, of hard things to deal with there too. You,
0: you said you developed an autoimmune disease. Uh, you don't have to go into detail on that, but what what was your – Give me a day in the life of Kristen Sweeting during those years.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I would wake up and, um, like, throw everything together, drive 30 minutes to um, the the suburbs where the church was, um, would be really excited for all the meetings in the morning, and about noon would, like, hit a wall where I just, like, almost couldn't keep my eyes open. I was dragging. We were I was working in an office and so like just struggling in that office until I got to go home, would go home, crash on the couch, um, just like couldn't couldn't talk to anyone, couldn't do anything. I felt like I'd given everything that I had during the day, either like working with kids or their parents. Um and then I we would like have dinner, I'd go to bed, and then I wouldn't be able to sleep. So I would like be up all night, like overthinking and stressing. And mm. So when I went to doctors trying to get some help for it, they were like, well, we could put you on anxiety medication, which like there's nothing there's like anxiety medication is great. But I knew that there was something else going on. It wasn't just that I could feel my body was off. Um, so eventually someone figured out that I had Hashimoto, which is like a thyroid autoimmune disease and. Um, adrenal issues from stress. So it was kind of like healing those two things um, mm. that really turned a lot of my life around. Once I started feeling better,
0: mm. and so um, you finished college, you're at the church, and then that's your twenties. What was the culmination of all that? Getting well, and then um, you know, moving on. What 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 was your next journey or next step in your your next life
1: journey? Yeah. So I was working at the church. I really did love it. But again, I was probably I was the main breadwinner at the time then too. Um and was not a, a huge salary at a church. It was it was tight to have two people survive on it. Um and so I started doing photography. I had never I never had a nice camera. And someone generously gave me one as a birthday present and I started photographing everyone. And, um, what was great is that I worked with hundreds of of teenagers who like loved having their photo taken. So, um, so that started being like a tool I used in ministry. We would just go and explore and take photos. Um, and eventually people's families started hiring me to do photos of their families. Um, and, It probably took about a year, and I was making more money from photography than I was from um, the church position. And there were a few hard conversations at the church too where I had this realization that um, I had essentially hit the cap of where I could go in this career as a woman. Um, You can't get ordained. You can't be a deaconess or whatever. Anyway, there was was a limit because I was a woman and just because of – way that
0: sure
1: anyway i don't want to like get too much into that either yeah. but like i was like oh you i'm 23 go, yeah i'm 23 mm-hmm. and this is as far as i can go so um so started like building up this side photography business and um i'm like so grateful for that i feel like it um it brought so much joy into my life where there was so much like pain um and it has just become this thing that's like blossomed into a really thriving business that um, now supports me and my son. We're able to be generous with other people. I train other photographers. So um, that, like, while that was a hard situation, I feel really grateful for, like, the person that was, like, yeah, you can't get a raise because that, like, lit a fire for me to be, like, well, I had a personal moment of, like, of, um, I had a personal moment of victory the other day because I realized that, my business had brought in more in one month than that position had in one year. Good for you. <laughs> and I was like, "Cool." Yeah. There's that you know, 23 year old sweet woman that wasn't allowed to do anything else.
0: <laughs> That's great. And you mentioned a son. Where where did you, when was your son born in that process? In that you know length of time?
1: Yeah, he was born. Um, I was about 26 when he was born, um, and that happened. Uh, I had stopped working at the church, but we my my spouse and I were fundraising, and we were we thought we were moving overseas to do ministry with teenagers um we had like a position lined up, and like the fundraising just was very challenging um and it was really discouraging and testing of our faith too because this community that we had poured so poured so much into that we had worked for for so long um then we came to them saying like now we are asking something of you, and it didn't get met with like very much um, very much support and so um that ended up we ended up not going overseas, but I also got pregnant with Hudson at the same time um, but we did do some ministry here in um here in town um with the money that we had fundraised um, and that was a really sweet time, but also led into um my spouse's deconstruction and then mine.
0: Mm. Um so he was first. What what precipitated that?
1: I I don't know that I want to speak for him. Okay. Um but I know that it was it was a really painful journey sure. for him too and um and when you're when your job is um faith based, mm. it makes it even more complicated because now you're choosing between supporting your family and being honest about where you're at. And um, there's just like this really hard moment of tension of of, like, I have to walk away from a job to to pursue this with with integrity.
0: What was that like for you during that time?
1: Um, Extremely painful and anxiety causing um, because we had a small baby at the time and I had had a miscarriage before having Hudson. So, my whole pregnancy was, like, very, like, I had extreme anxiety. Um, I also had found out I had um, a blood clotting disorder. So I was giving myself, like, injections in my stomach every single day. Mm. I just told this story to my son the other day, and, I was, and he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I had to give myself <laughs> a shot every day so you'd be okay. And I think it made him feel better. He was getting his DTAP shot. And I was like, did you not know mommy had to do this every day while you were in my belly? Um, he was like, I don't think he can even fathom. <laughs> but whatever. Someday I'll hold it over him and be sure. like, I don't like what I did for you. Um, so yeah, it was it was just like a very anxious time and mm. and but again, kind of like the moment at the church where someone was like, This is the most money you can make. Um, there was a moment where I was like so again I was back to being the breadwinner, um, sole breadwinner this time. Um, I had a young baby and my business was doing okay, but not thriving. Um, And I had another moment where I was like, I could keep doing this, being anxious, being frustrated, being, um, you know, barely making it, or I can make some changes and and really try to make my business thrive. So I did some coaching and really got into some mindset work, which I think like unlocked a door to the woo, maybe like a door to um, the like spiritual side of me that now I feel connected to Mm. Um, when I realized that like there's people that are positive and encouraging and bringing amazing things into their life and they're separate from the Christian tradition. Cause I think part of my upbringing was always thinking like the only good people are Christian. And whether I like I probably wouldn't have said it in so many words, but it definitely was ingrained in like, I think that, like, you know, only Christians are good people. Um, And so when I started realizing, like, oh, you can be a good person with no ulterior motives um, and bring a lot of good and light into the world, um, I felt like that grew as this thing kind of Mm -hmm. drifted. Mm
0: -hmm. And was um, that—I know you said for your spouse and for for many of us it's— was it's painful and it's a journey of, of, of grief and mourning. Was that, did you find that too? Or was there, was it, was it all just a pretty much uphill journey for you?
1: No, there was, there was a lot of grief as well. Um, because within nine months, um, I would say I, my wouldn't necessarily say I lost my faith, but it completely evolved into something different. So one foundation completely gone, um, my father died. Mm. I had become a mother, and my um, a year later, my marriage ended, mm. um, but was in the process of ending that year mm. um so everything there was a lot of grief that all was definitely intermingled mm. um, and it felt like I was telling you a little bit earlier like it felt like a balloon without like without a tether, you're just kind of floating like i don't really know what to believe, what to um what to think. And I remember really clearly this moment. I did a lot of therapy this year because there was like a lot of things happening Um, and I love therapy so much. But there was this moment where I remember sitting in her office and I hadn't really decided like Christian, not Christian, where am I? What's happening? And um, there was this moment where I said like, I feel like my own personal values are conflicting with my faith tradition so things I believe about the world and humanity and how I think people should be treated are very much like opposite of how I feel like my community is um, is interacting with the world. Um, and so having to choose my own personal values yeah. over the thing that had been such a, a source of comfort for me for so many years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was painful, but also I think like you know, when you make a decision where you're trusting yourself, there's mm-hmm. a lot of peace that comes with that too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so you go through this process. You you end up getting divorced. Um, how old was your son at the time? He was two. Okay. Yeah. And um, did, was that? It seems like you keep going. Th- you kept going through these stages of okay. Now I'm going to. I'm going to be a photographer. Now I'm going to be this person. Now, what was that like for you? Were you saying, okay, now I'm on my own. I'm going to start a business. Or did that evolve as well? Because I really want to get to the point of of where you are now. And you have this kind of cool thing going on. You have this mentoring. I think for a time you started traveling, right, and taking students overseas. Was that right around that time?
1: Yeah, we started doing that. That started happening um, the year right before we split up. So, um, I planned these big workshops where we did, um, Iceland and France and we, um, I mentored photographers. This was my, like, um, this was my, I'm not going to play it safe. I'm going to like open up this workshop. That sounds insane. Like my first workshop wasn't in my backyard. It was in Iceland, you know, like, it kind of was the pie-in-the-sky dream and saying, like, why the heck not and going for it. And so I sold out two workshops back-to-back that were um, France and Iceland. I took photographers with me for two weeks. We, I, like, planned all these surprises. I had so much fun, like, taking the pieces that I loved from being a youth leader, the pieces I loved from photography, creating, like, an experience that mm. would change people. I loved it so much. Um, And so that started growing, right, as some other things were um, fading away. Um, And Study Abroad Workshops has evolved into what it is now, which is um, a mastermind of, I have 20 women that I'm coaching, um, and it's a year-long program, um, two international trips as part of it. And working towards growth and abundance and peace and freedom in your business. And so there's an element of business coaching, a lot of business coaching, but there's a lot of work on the other things too. Cause like, I mean, the thing that they don't necessarily tell you about success is like, if you get a bunch of money, but you don't have personal peace or freedom, it's just money, you know? Mm. So being able to grow as you're growing personally is something I'm really passionate about helping people do and like find that inner peace and freedom.
0: Mm.
1: Um, But I definitely remember in Iceland and France being like, I'm encouraging these women to be free and to love their bodies and to like love their lives. And I'm like, and I don't feel free. I remember that moment. Mm. Um, So the next year was definitely like huge letting go grieving making room for freedom.
0: As you were going through your own evolution of of a person and seeing the world and just trying to figure out who you were and and where you what you believed, did it was it helpful and was it um a, a, an experience that you look back on this traveling internationally because I can imagine going and seeing people from in different environments and different cultures and they seeing the world from different perspectives and you sitting across the table from them that had to be something that was uh, impactful at a at a real strategic time
1: yeah definitely and i had done a lot of traveling um up to then as well which i i think has always really shaped how i view the world and mm. um but but every time i travel i come back with some new thing that i learn like in france they like any person can take a sabbatical year and have their job waiting for them mm. when they come back. Wow. Like everyone takes a month off in the summer and travels with their family and rests. Mm. You know, the, the priorities of different cultures is fascinating to me and how um, caught up a lot of Americans are in um, workaholism or doing everything a certain way or following a certain set of rules, um, I I feel like seeing other cultures really thrive doing it differently is gave me a lot of freedom too. Of like, oh, I don't have to do all of these things. There are a lot of different options out there.
0: That's great. That's great. And so so tell me what your um, you you teach ph- help with photography and you mastermind there, and that's kind of your trade. But it sounds like to me you're also going deeper with people and, and talking about things, uh personal development and talk to me about that and how where are you where are you right now with that and what are you seeing in the lives of of the women and, and the people that you're mentoring?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think being able to be aware of some of the pain in our past, um, but also not let that stop you from moving forward. Um is something that we do a lot in, like, you know, if someone joins a business coaching group or a creative group, they might not necessarily expect it to be um, holistic like this, but I just think that is so important to, like, you're a whole person. If your business is not doing well or you're not making money, a lot of times it's tied in with some limiting belief you have. Um, one of the big ones for me is that I had this Christian tradition Um Or just a faith tradition where there was um, a belief that like I was a better person for um, barely making any money and working in nonprofit and, you know, kind of a martyr philosophy of like, I don't know, just like, I don't know if I can say that Um, (laughs) Kelly just laughed at me. But just like um, of being like, I'm I'm better for doing it this way. And realizing that that wasn't true and um, people that thrive are not bad and um, and even the belief that like I couldn't make more like I can't make too much more than my spouse because mm. women are supposed to be subservient even though in my head like I knew that I had I knew in my head that like I'm not subservient to him. Sure. But I think the conditioning was so well-programmed. Well, you I'm talk like,
0: about your childhood and the homeschooling environment in your eighth grade book, um, that was deeply ingrained, right?
1: Yeah. Like, how can I be charging XYZ for wedding photography when my spouse makes that in like three months? Mm. You know? I can't do that. Or we're fundraising money. I can't charge this. And um, so much of
0: that's subconscious, it's deeply ingrained.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so I had there's a lot of that to work through and I find that at each each time I hit a new layer of growth I have to work through some of the same things some of the same limiting beliefs some of the previous childhood trauma like I have to go back there and be like oh hey I see you also you you don't control my life anymore and then I keep moving forward
0: So was that um how in on a range of 1 to 10 how difficult was that like was it something that you said oh i recognize that belief and i'm going to over i'm going to change my thinking or was this like i it took me a year to really feel comfortable charging a certain amount of money for something
1: um i think it's a continual process for sure um i think there's an aspect of sometimes you have to jump before it feels comfortable yeah. you have to decide that i'm doing this and It doesn't matter if people think I'm crazy because there's always going to be someone who thinks you're crazy for doing what you're doing. Um, But eventually they'll like when I started photography, there were so many people that were like, oh, my gosh, another photographer. Everyone's a photographer. And I remember that holding me back for a long time. And then when I started doing um, the study abroad workshops, there were like two or three peers in my head and like they hadn't ever said it vocally. I was like, they're going to judge me for trying to do a workshop. Mm. Who is she for like, leading a workshop? Um, and that almost held me back for a really long time and just the fear of being rejected by my community. I read this book that was life-changing at the time called The Big Leap, mm. um, and he talks about different ways we self-sabotage or limit ourselves, and one of them is the fear of outshining. So a lot of people have programmed in them this fear that if you shine – brighter than, you know, your spouse or your sibling or XYZ, whoever it is, that you're going to get rejected and somehow you're bad because you can't, like, make them feel bad. Um, And so being able to work through that to a place of, like, that's not about me. That's about them. Like, me deciding to, like, stay smaller for someone else's sake is is selfish of me because I'm protecting myself. And it's not fair of that person if they actually are expecting that of you or not fair of me to think that they are when maybe they're not.
0: Mm -hmm. What would you say is the one or two things as you work with, with different people and and the women in your group um, are the main, uh, and I know everyone's different. Everyone's personality is unique, but what are the one or two things that you would say are, are things that are hindering or are holding people back or Um, the place that people find freedom the most in your experience in doing this?
1: I would say most people hold on too tightly to things. Um, They have some idea of how life should look or what outcome they should produce and when and what exactly it is. Like down, I don't know, it's like, it's this. And so people hold really tightly to it. Um, and I have found the more you can let go of things and almost like visualize holding a hand open of um, whether it's a financial goal or a personal goal or um, a relationship, when you can let it go and be like, I'm going to let this be what it needs to be. And it's not my job to control what form it takes. Mm there is a lot of peace and freedom that comes from that. And I find that the result is usually better, like almost always better really when, then when you're like, no, this is it. Mm. This is what I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to be. This is what this relationship is.
0: We have a question. My beautiful wife, Kelly is sitting in on this conversation because she's a big fan of Kristen Sweeting.
2: (laughs) I am. I am a
0: big fan. Lean into that mic and talk really loud.
2: Okay. Um, I have a question about when you found your voice and when you started trusting your intuition hmm. like that process for you
1: yeah it started it started after my um, it started after my dad died, so I think in that year with um, experiencing a miscarriage, having a baby and then my dad dying, there was almost this What the fuck do I have to lose anymore? I've I've lost all the things that I was afraid to lose, Um, and so like really, it was I realized it was hurting me to hold myself back more than it than it was protecting me. And I think like some friends I have that have um, some friends I have that have gone through really hard things realize that when you get through something really hard and you survive it then it kind of, I mean, it can either wreck you or it can give you this spark to be like, mm. well, now really there's freedom because like I just went through hell, but I'm still here. So what am I going to make with the rest of this life? All you really get to do is leave people with the energy that you present to the world.
2: I love that. Mm.
1: But that year, I mean, it definitely kept growing and I'm still finding my voice. Um Trusting myself to leave my marriage was really hard. Um, setting a boundary, going through with a decision, like, no one wants to do that. Um, and it wasn't, like, a light thing, and it ended up being really painful too. But I think, like, being able to, to trust myself also reaffirmed that decision. And then this is kind of a lighter story because I feel like you've heard a lot of my heavy story. But um, the year I was going through my divorce, there was – and a lot of my fear had been a financial, like you heard, mm-hmm. I was like nonprofit and, um, you know, money can equal power. And so when people have power over you, you feel scared. And um, so i uh, like in the year of my divorce, I was going to Greece for my birthday and um, started kind of learning more about like abundance and freedom and um, treating money differently and not so like closed fisted, but more like open um and i um i was meeting a friend in new york city and we were flying over together and right before i left my bookkeeper had emailed me and she was like i don't know what happened i know you've been paying quarterly taxes it looks like you still owe 40 grand on your taxes and i was like ah, and i just started like shutting down and freaking out and i don't know how that possibly could have happened like ah. but there i had to choose this moment of I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to choose freedom. I know this is going to work out, and we can figure it out. And so I think in the past, I had let things like that ruin my month and just ruin my mood. And I was like, I'm the worst person ever. I let this thing happen. Anyway, I went into it with this, like, trust. Went to Greece, met my friend. And I remember this moment on the plane, um, and I was reading this book, and there was, like, a line that said, um, sometimes you have to jump and the net will appear. You have to put yourself in the place you want to be before you actually feel like you're there, Um, like take that step of faith. And I was like, if I get to New York City and there's two first class seats left on the flight to Greece, I'm going to do it for me and my friend and I'm not going to tell her how much it was and I'm just going to book those flights. Well, I got to New York City and there were two seats left in first class, so I upgraded us to first class. We giggled like kids. Got all the way to Greece, and I opened my email, and my bookkeeper was like, "I don't know what happened, but you only owe seven hundred dollars on your taxes." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Greece "Oh, was much better than <laughs> yeah." I was like, yeah, oh. you
0: had a party in Greece, I'm sure.
1: But like, I think the, the the I trusted myself in that moment, but also, um, I could have let that completely ruin the whole trip. Like that news. That fear of like this financial ruin is coming upon me and I could have decided in my head to make it a horrible trip or I could have decided it's going to be fine no matter what and I'm going to enjoy this trip. So even before knowing that it was all fine, it was just a
2: mistake, um, I had chose the, the path of freedom. Did you feel like growing up money was a dirty word? Like, was there shame attached to money? Do you feel like you're working through a lot of that too? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. My, um, my dad was a successful businessman, but it didn't come all the way with integrity. Um, and so, um, I equated a lot of, um, the problems we had growing up with, um, with my dad making money.
0: What, um, where would you say you are now as far as, if someone were to say, um, the people that have known Kristen for years, the people that are newly know her in the last couple of years, where would you say you are um, in your, your journey of, of reality and the divine and God and faith and Christianity? We're, we're on that continuum. And the reason I ask is because I think it's really helpful to understand um, not only your journey and where you came from and where you are now but also to help people who may be listening to be like, wow, that's that's easy for Kristen to do because she's this really talented person. She's making all this money. And I think what you've told us over the past hour, what I've got from that is, no, I didn't come from success. It hasn't been easy for me. As a matter of fact, it's been hell, but there's always hope on the other side. So, So talk to me a little bit about like, where are you now? Like, what is your worldview and how do you feel like it's, Uh, allowed you to be the person you are, and as Kelly said, find your voice? What was that? I'm sorry.
2: In her truest form. Right. Yeah, um,
1: I I definitely think my faith is more fluid than ever. Um, The thing I decided back when I told you about the conversation with my um, therapist was that I believe that all people, no matter where they're from, who they love, what their skin color is, what their ethnicity is, what their anything is that everyone deser- deserves love and freedom and mm. options. And, um, and I felt like that was conflicting with some of my um, the community of faith I was in at the time. And so I just kind of come back to that of like everyone deserves love. Um, and a lot of my own work, is i also de- deserve love. Mm. So um to give a more like i don't know concrete answer yeah. about spirituality like i i'm love mindset work. I love thinking about things in terms of energy and love and attracting and repelling and mm. um i i do think that there are things we don't understand and um so i'm I feel like it's a much more expansive view of God or the universe, like much more expansive than what I believed before. Um, and I find a lot more loving and and free. Mm. Um, and, I, and I don't, like we were talking about before, like I don't think anything is bad from the past unless there's, you know, there are um, abuses of power that happen in different communities, and I think that is wrong, and I think that um, – any trauma inflicted on people because of faith is, is not okay, but you know, everyone's in a different place in their journey. And this is where I am right now, which is, um, expansive and very open Mm. and trying to, um, just understand myself and my, um, maybe triggers or, um, like ego versus heart kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like, um, my head tends to get in the way of what, um, what my heart, what my soul really want?
0: What would you tell um, twenty-year-old Kristen if you could go back and speak to her now, at this point okay. in your life? Because I want you to 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 speak to her, but I'm really what I'm saying is, what would you say to that person who's listening, who's like, ah, I'm ringing true with this, but I don't know what we this even means.
2: We may be me- fifty. Or yeah, 40 or 30 Exactly. 40, 50, or 60, 90.
0: or 90, whoever it may be. But for you, what could you, what would you want to tell 20 year old, 18 year old Kristen?
1: I would tell myself to um, let go and to trust myself more. Mm. Um, I, I believe I was intentionally conditioned to not trust myself. Absolutely. And I think. Um, I don't regret any of the choices I've made in my life, but I think that they would have been very different if I had trusted myself much earlier in my life.
2: Mm.
0: Mm. How does someone trust themselves?
1: I think first, um, believing that you're not um, irreversibly flawed. Mm. I think I believed that I was so flawed that there was nothing that I could trust in here, I had to trust things that were external that other people were telling me mm-hmm. um, and I have not found that to be true. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of beauty and a lot of love and a lot of light in me and when I tap into that, really amazing things happen, mm-hmm. and I believe that of each person
0: mm. that's so good. What would you tell your 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 son um, because you were brought up very differently, and i'm I'm assuming that you plan to bring him up differently than the way you were brought up. What is it that you want him to know now? Um, and when he gets to the age of of understanding what, what is it that you want him to know the most?
1: I mean, we're already talking about it a lot. He's four years old, but um when when he does something that's quote unquote wrong, he's not banked and he's not locked in his room like we we talk about our feelings and we talk about um, you know respecting other people and that it's okay to feel things and it's okay to be angry Um, but also when you're angry if you're if you're gonna lash out at mommy that's not okay you know so we we talk through things and I think like I've seen him be such an emotionally intelligent little person um, and like, so like he walks around and, um, my boyfriend, Andrew and I will like go, we go to walk to a coffee shop every single day, really. And so me and Hudson and Andrew, we walk and Hudson will go, I love you and I love you and I love myself. Mm. And I just think that's so beautiful. I don't, I don't think he even knows what he's saying, but like, mm. I never would
2: have said that as a kid.
0: Mm. That's so great. And that
2: emotional connection that. He is making by watching you make those emotional connections are huge. And his awareness of all of that really has not come out of just your joy, but your pain too. Mm. That's such courage on your part. Um, And what a wonderful mother you are that you're allowing him to see the complication of your life. And you don't have to hide behind it. That's beautiful.
1: Well and he you know, there there are things that he is experiencing because his parents still live in the same house, don't live in the same house, that are really hard. And um I think a lot of people maybe feel like when their kid is upset because they miss their dad, that somehow that's a reflection on on them or um or vice versa, where it's like, Well, she's bad or he's bad, or you know, it's this like You have to pick a side um and so we spend a lot of time in those moments being like it's okay to be sad Mm. it's okay that you're sad that we don't live together and it's okay that um it's okay to talk about it and and like ask for what you need you know so and it takes like it takes me like my ego like shutting my ego down and being like this is not about you this is about helping your child right now because there's a lot of times I could go into protective mode or defensive mode and there's times where my ego is bruised in parenting a lot of times Mm -hmm. where ego my ego is bruised
2: and you've had to work through a lot of anger and probably just even allowing yourself forgiveness and I think those are processes that we think we have to do alienated from our children, but I think we actually empower our children when they see our weakness and they see our growth. Um, Bob and I have done that over the last year. We're continuing to do that, and I think that the more that we can do that and the more that we bring awareness to that, the more we will have more emotionally connected people in this world.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I caught myself trying to protect him from the truth a lot, trying to shelter him. And and I hear the, the mm. phrase repeated in my head a lot, the truth is always kind. Mm. And so there are things that I have told him that are not pleasant because, and obviously like you don't, I'm not emotionally dumping on my child because I know that there's boundaries and you want to be healthy about it. But like I I want him to know the truth and to be able to process the truth and not grow up in a um, environment where he's like thinking something is real. That's not,
0: I have a couple questions as we wind down. Um, What is one or two resources that was really helpful for you? Like what are your, what books were instrumental podcast individuals? Talk to me about that. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure you have some favorites.
1: Yeah. I would have to probably think about that longer. I mean, the book that I mentioned earlier I read every year, mm. um, the big, what, the big leap. And who's that by? Gay Hendricks. Okay. Um, every time I read it, I like learn something new. Um, and
0: is that what, what's your, what's your go-to podcast?
1: Oh, or
0: are you too busy working on your own stuff?
1: <laughs> I have kind of taken a break from podcasts for a while, but I do love them. um, Right now I'm being coached by an awesome woman, and this is more in the business world, mm-hmm. but her name is Rachel Rogers. Mm. She has a podcast called The Million Dollar Badass, so that's a shout out to her. She's really awesome.
0: That's awesome. And you have a podcast. I do, What's yeah. What's it
1: called? It's called The Porchcast. Awesome. It's kind of real conversations with creatives about um, real things that entrepreneurs deal with, um, mm. from anxiety to burnout to um, marketing and you know other business-related
2: things, too.
0: Kelly, did you have any more questions before we wind down?
2: Um, I, just, I just think this is such a wonderful um, person to have on your podcast, Bob, and I'm glad that she's a woman that's empowered to share. Um, Kristen, I just, I just want to commend you on your example um, to women of all ages because I'm a big fan, oh, and I'm not you. in my 20s anymore. <laughs> Um, so I love you and I am excited to see the future and the love that you have invited into your heart. And I'm, I guess my question would be what, what is the joy that you're looking forward to meeting in 2020? I'm looking forward to, um,
1: finding more joy in the downtime, in the spaces, I am um, even just like in observing art and music, like a lot of times I'm struck by the the negative space or mm-hmm. the breaks between phrases, and that's something I'm not naturally good at. I have definitely built up protection mechanisms for myself in being a uh overworker or a workaholic, and um there's something that feels safe in busyness and um The more I'm learning to trust myself, the more I'm finding a lot of joy in the quiet and the spaces.
0: Mm, That's good. How can people get a hold of you and see what you're doing and maybe somebody's listening wants to participate in your mastermind? Where where is all that?
1: Yeah, um, probably Instagram is the easiest place to connect with me, just at Kristen Sweeting. Um, I have a couple of websites and links, but all of it kind of funnels through there.
0: And uh, your podcast, they can find anywhere where podcasts are. On the Porchcast? Apple
1: Podcast, yeah, the Porchcast.
0: Great. Well, Kristen, thank you again, and, and thank you for being um, honest and authentic and being um, a voice of of hope for those people who, women specifically, but also men, um, who've been through some really hard, difficult times, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and come out the other side. So thank you for, for being that.
2: You're so
1: welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.